Uh, it is my pleasure to open up God's Word with you, and that's not going to stay up. So, um, we are in uh, this series called God at Work, uh, this thing that we spend 80,000 hours of our lives in, uh, whether it's at school or your work in the home or in the office, the field, or the factory. Uh, we, we just spend a lot of time in that, and so we, we, we did something a little different with this series. Instead of working our way through a specific book of the Bible, we're, we're going to take seven, eight weeks just to look at this idea uh, of work. And so we started that actually a couple weeks ago. And if you have your Bible today, you can begin to work your way to Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3 is where we're going to be at. Uh, And and as you turn there, and those that know what's in Genesis chapter 3, you can start to understand where I'm going with this. But let me just ask some questions. Who here has ever had the experience of being fired from a job? Don't be shy. Some of you are lying. no, that, so some, some have been, some are like, yeah, I was fired. Uh, how about same result, a little bit nicer, you were laid off, like the company, okay, we did some layoffs here, okay, also laid off, fired and laid off, okay, uh, same result, but let me a little bit different energy, who here has ever rage quit a job, like, I'm out of here, maybe some F-bomb, I, I don't know what's going on, you're just rage quit, okay, so we've had some of that, uh, who here has ever dreamed about a radical shift in career like this week like you're like man I could I could okay we got we got a few uh, over there all right who here has uh, gone to school did all the work jumped through all the hoops maybe did the did the internship it, it all paid the tuition took out loans landed in the job that you thought you wanted and only to realize man I do not want this job at all okay we got, we got a few back there are you still in the job but uh, okay good uh so you so you get it um who here has spent some time uh, over the last year worrying about their job at any point in the pandemic man am i gonna okay so so we've had some of that who here has has pursued a career a degree all that stuff not because so much you wanted to but others like your parents or someone else ha- had a dream for your life and so you just kind of went through that no one okay we got double hands over here yeah, my father-in-law was, was like that. He was a, a lawyer, uh, should have been a vet, and his life was miserable uh, because of that. I mean, so uh, nonetheless, uh, who here has ever lost sleep about what's going on at work? Anyone? Okay. Man, so you, you start to see that there's, some, there's, there's just some common experience going on here, that, that that's true of almost everyone in this room. We, we've, we run into this thing that we spend so much time in. We run into walls. We run into frustration. We run into emptiness. And, and, and all, uh, all the, the brokenness uh, of this world uh, shows up sometimes more than ever in our, in our jobs. And so uh, we want to talk about that. You know, sometimes we think if I just had a different job, then, then all that I've gone through, all the sleep I've lost, all, all the pain and suffering, it would be better. Or, or sometimes people are like, you know what, if I just went into ministry, that, that would be awesome because then I could work for the Lord. I'd work with Christians. It'd be like a utopia. Like, it, no, let, let me just say there's still brokenness there as well. But I, I remember... Uh, my first ministry experience, I was with uh, Marines in Okinawa, Japan, and uh, we were gathered talking late one night. And this one Marine, his name was Adam. A- Adam was about to get out of the Marine Corps. And Adam was like, man, I, he was kind of lamenting. He didn't know what he was going to do. And so we were talking with him and, and he was just feeling the weight of that. Like, what am I going to do? And I remember his, his exact words. He's like, man, I, I don't know. I, I've, got, I've got no skills. Really, I'm a Marine. Uh, I've got uh, no education. 
I've got no experience. What am I going to do? And he just kind of looked sad for a while. And then all of a sudden his face lit up and he looked up and he looked at me and said, I know, Mark, I could do what you do. I had no, no skills, no experience, no education. Just do what I do. Well, there you go. So, uh, but no, there, there's, there's toil. There, there's brokenness in, in my... Even when things go really well and things go according to plan. Uh, I was thinking this week about how when God led us to, uh, out of Japan into the Czech Republic and, and all that. And we, we knew it would be hard and all that. Uh, but as we went there and uh, put our kids in school and started learning the language and studying verbs and conjugations and weird pronunciations and, and doing that the next day and the next week and the next month and the next month and just, just not coming and, and just realizing man, people think I'm an idiot. I'm like, no, really, I have a master's degree and I, I can tell you some jokes. And they're just like, who is this foreigner that's just a complete idiot that's kind of walking around? And, like, and in that moment, God was, was revealing some idols in my heart. He, he was using the pain of, of work to show, Mark, you, you just really want to be seen as as someone competent. You want to be seen as, as someone that, that has some good things to say and, and you, you, you've, that's all been stripped away and, and are you okay with that? And I wasn't okay with that. I, I would feel the way, like, you ever been to a place in your job or somewhere where you actually feel like a, a pressure on your chest? Like, I don't, I don't know if it was depression or what, but, but it, you know what? That doesn't just stop from nine to in nine to five, like it, it gets flown over to your sleep and to your marriage and to the way you treat your kids. Like, like work does that to us. And, and the brokenness of work does that as well. I mean, even in the last year, last year, probably the, some of the highest highs and lowest lows for a lot of us here, but that's true in ministry as well. Like I, I've received more letter, letters of encouragement and texts and say, hey, we're, we're so grateful for this church and this time. And, and that's been awesome. But I've also received more criticism, more, more texts, more people just, I'm out of here because of all the things that we're trying to navigate and the decision fatigue and, and, and all those things. Like there, there's brokenness. I say that because... That's true in your, your job, my job, whether your, your job is to maintain the home and educate the children or, or to go to the factory, the field, or, or wherever there is brokenness. And it's our common lot. So I don't feel like as we go into uh, Genesis chapter 3 this morning, there's much that I need to prove to you because you experience it. But, but, what, but we, what we need to do is, is, and what we're trying to do in this series, is get a framework for understanding and a pathway to go forward. And so if you were here a couple of weeks ago when we started, we, we talked about in Genesis 1 and 2 that a few things, that God created the world. God created uh, the world. He worked and uh, did some energy and, and all those things to, to, to spin it up. And, and he delighted in his work. And then his pinnacle of his creation, he created you and me, created Adam and Eve, he created uh, image bearers, and we see immediately in the, the context of being an image bearer is that we are workers. Like, like the work isn't a result of the fall, it was meant to be a blessing, and so there, there, there was a few things that we saw in that. that. That work was God's design. I have it on the screen here, Hannah. <laughs> work was God's design, that, that uh, it wasn't a curse, it's not part of the curse, it was Him blessing it, so we get to enter in that. All work has dignity, that, that means God who was a gardener, God who was a carpenter, God who uh, just gets His hands dirty and, and, and does all the work and gives us work to do, it has dignity, that, that means that everyone in this world that has 
good work to do. That they're, they're, No one's below us. You're not above any job. You, you might have different jobs. They might pay differently, but that doesn't uh, change your inherent value at all. Uh, we saw that all work should, should lead towards a cultivation of God's creation. So God packed creation with all kind of potential to be worked out of it. So cultures arise out of that, and, and it gets better. And so uh, that that. We, we lean into that. And then finally, all work should be service. It should be a way that we love God and love people. And, and in some way, shape, or form, if, if you have a job, it's doing those things. And so work was blessed in Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2. But now we ask the question, what went wrong and what's the way forward? How, how did we go from blessed to cursed? Well, let's read that in Genesis chapter 3. I'll read the first 19 verses. I'll ask you to listen carefully. This is God's word. It says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will, surely, you will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of, your, eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, where are you? And he said, I heard you, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. He said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, the woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me fruit of the tree and I ate. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. The Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all the beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. To the woman he said, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be contrary to your husband, but he shall rule over you. Verse 17. And to Adam he said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I command you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. And you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face, you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of, the, out of it you were taken, for, dust, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but what you just read never will. The curse. So sin enters into the world, things get broken, and there are cursed. 
But, but did you notice what was cursed? If you, if you know the context of chapter 1 and 2, the, the very thing that was blessed got cursed. Well, why is that? God, God, could have, God, God could do anything he wants. God could have uh, just cast them out and said, okay, you're out of my presence forever, uh, but, but you still have the blessing of three things, childbearing, marriage, and work. Now, now don't get me wrong, those things are all still blessings, but, but they have hanging over them a, a brokenness, a, a disintegration. We, we now live uh, against the grain of creation. There, there, there's struggle in childbearing, there's struggle in marriage relationships and there's struggle at work and and God says it is cursed it is God's righteous judgment to take the very thing that is meant for our blessing to be a curse and we'll talk about why that was in just a minute but again there's not a lot that you need to learn because this is all an experience that we all have had We've all seen this, but let me just point out a a few things here. When it says, uh, you shall, in verse 17, cursed is the ground because of you, in pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. He's actually echoing the opposite of what he said in chapter 2, verse 6. In chapter 2, verse 6, he says, and the mist was going up from the land and watering the whole face of the ground. So prior to the fall, there was, it was fertile. It was well watered. It was, it was perfectly maintained. And now it's cursed. The ground is cursed. And then in verse 18, it says, leading up to it, in pain you shall eat it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field, thorns and thistles. And again, that is an opposite echo of verse 9 of chapter 2 when, when he says, where is it? And out of the ground the Lord God made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. So, so what was springing up out of the ground was trees and fruits and vegetables, all the good things. And now he says, now what's going to spring up out of the ground is thorns and thistles. And by the sweat of your face, you shall eat the bread till you return to the ground. Literally through blood, sweat, and tears, you will survive in this world. He's saying that there is a, a brokenness now in this world. Oh, I'm still going to provide for you, but it's not going to come as easy as it did. You're going to go out. You're going to go in the field, and you're going to have to work it. It's this, uh, it's this picture that every farmer knows, Right? If you're a farmer, you've got to go into the field and, and remove all the stones. And that, that's a lot of blood, sweat, and tears that, that even to get the field ready. You've got to remove stumps. You've got you to till the field. You've got you, you to uh, now take multi-million dollar equipment and, and get the rows going just right. And then you've got to plant the seed at just the right depth and then cover that over and fertilize at just the right time. But even then, every farmer knows it's still full of peril. Will there be a too early freeze? Will we get too much sun and have a drought? Will we have too little sun? Will one storm come in, one hailstorm come in and wipe out the whole thing? There is, there is anxiousness, there's worry, and you, you wait and you just hope that out of the ground comes your crop. But no farmer ever has to worry about thorns and thistles. They just come up. In fact, he has to worry about it insofar as getting rid of them, to, uh, doing the work and, and the, the d- difficult work of uh, separating the two. That's just natural. But, but this isn't just talking about farming. It's a metaphor for all of our work. All of our work requires a, an intentionality. 
If you just sit back, think about your own job. Think about your own sphere. Maybe, maybe your work is in the home or, again, the boardroom, the factory, the field, wherever it is. If you just sit back, it's not going to be long before a kind of thorns and thistles begin to rise up amongst it. And think about that. The sale is going to fall through if you don't follow up with the client. The children aren't going to be educated. The patients are going to get more sick. The fire is going to spread out of control. The muscles are going to weaken. The bills are going to pile up. The dishes are going to pile up. The ice cream machine at McDonald's is going to break again. The pipes are going to burst. The enemies are going to attack. And if by some chance, if by some chance you have no work to do, then you are going to break down. Your mind, your body will be the thing that breaks down. Thorns and thistles. And so whatever you do, it takes work. It takes toil. And it's not all it was designed to be. It's not all blessing. But that's not the end of the story. See, in the... um, in our passage, he goes on, he says in verse 19, by the sweat of your face, you shall eat the bread till you return to the ground for out of it you were taken for you are dust and to dust you shall return. This is the implication that Adam and Eve, you're going to be out of the garden. You're going to be out of paradise. You're going to be living east of Eden. In fact, in verse 23, it says, therefore, the Lord God sent him out from the garden of Eden to work the ground from which he was taken. And now we all live east of Eden. We we all face work, toil, blood, sweat, tears. So the question is, you've already kind of put the pieces of the puzzle. What does your toil look like? What does your frustration look like? But but the Bible, we would do well if we kind of understood how this, this dynamic, that work was meant to be a blessing and yet there is a curse over it, how it works its way, not in, not just in our jobs. Like, like, Man, if I just had a better boss, I mean, we've all talked to other coworkers and we're like, I could do it better if I was the boss, right? We've all felt that. But, but, but there's something that's also going on in our own hearts. And so I want to just point out five ways that uh, the, the curse continues to work itself out in our world today. So first of all, it's just frustration, right? We've all experienced just the fr- frustration of the work that, that we've been assigned to do. So I have this kind of wall calendar on my, my wall. And every day I get up and I write the things and, that I need to get done. And guess what? Every day I start off saying, these are the things I'm going to get done. Almost never do they get done. Sometimes things get added to the list and I'm actually further behind by the end of the day. Anyone else ever experienced that? Like, man, it just, it seems like I'm losing ground rather than, I I had the whole day, but but things come up. Things break. Uh, It's part of the fall. It's part of the curse. There's frustration in work. Not just frustration, uh, that there is a a kind of emptiness that often accompanies work. Again, this was not God's original plan. Our work was meant to fill us with meaning and purpose. And yet, so often when we engage work, it feels like, man, is this really all there is? This is what I've been working for? This is what I've been living for? And and that's when we begin to dream. If if I just had that job, if I just made it more successful, then, then I wouldn't feel this kind of gnawing emptiness in my soul, right? And every now and again, someone that's gone further and farther, farther than we've, we've been down uh, up a higher hill reports back and they say, it's not all it's cracked up to be, right? We don't believe them. Like when um, Jim Carrey, the actor, he, he says, I wish that everyone could be as successful as they really want 
and have as much money as they really want and to see that it really isn't all it's cracked up to be. And we're all thinking, eh, we don't believe you. But every now and again, people get there. A lot like when Tom Brady won his third Super Bowl ring and he says that in his hotel room, he was like, man, is this all there is to life? I mean, it's kept him going, winning other ones, but, but nevertheless, if he's feeling emptiness in that moment and we say, well, that's the pinnacle of life, well, what hope is there for the rest of us, right? There's an emptiness to it. In fact, the, the author of the Ecclesiastes, he, he went further than anyone in wisdom and knowledge and wealth and work, all those things. He, here's what he says. I'll have it on the screen. Ecclesiastes 2.17. So I hated life because the work that is done under the sun was grievous to me. All of it is meaningless. The chasing after the wind. He just, he was having a bad day or something. I don't know. But he was like, man, this sucks. Like, I, I, I've done this work and it's just, it's meaningless. And he goes on, he's like, it's so meaningless. Someone else gets it. All the work that I do, someone else gets it. And I don't even know if they're capable of tying their shoes. That, that's, that's where all my work's going to go to. Basically, that's a paraphrase. Um, so there's an emptiness to work. Uh, the third one, idolatry. I, I think this is that this seeps into all of our hearts more than we know. Now, idolatry in the Bible is not like just little golden calves and and or American Idol. The, the, this is idolatry is whenever we take something. Usually, they're good things. Sometimes they're very good things, and we seek in them that which only God can provide for us. That becomes an idol, and so work just becomes this like fertile field for for idolatry. Because like, if, I, if, if I work well, then I'm going I'm to prove myself. I'm going to show that I am a worthwhile person or, or work's going to provide other idols for me. I don't like the work, but I like the money that it provides. And, and, and what the money provides is safety and comfort and security. And that becomes an idol for us. In Genesis chapter 11, as the, the downward spiral of sin works its way out, we, we see this. You know it as the Tower of Babel. I'll just read the first four verses. Look what happens here. Now the whole earth had one language and the same words. And as people migrated from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. And they said to one another, come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and bitumen for mortar. So there's been some technological advancement. That's a good thing. But what are they going to do with it? Verse four. Then they said... Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens. And let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. They were looking to their work to get a name for themselves, to to prove their worth. They weren't looking to the God who created them in his image to say, man, you're you're worthy because you are made in my image. They were saying, if we build this big enough... Man, we'll make a name for ourselves. It became an idol for them. But there was another idol as well. Lest we be dispersed over the face of the earth, there was an insecurity. Man, man, let's let's get this so we can have safety and security. Instead of turning to God for those things, they built an idol. And again, that's that's one story, but it's a story of all of us as well. In some way, shape, or form, idolatry works into our hearts. Calvin said that the human heart is an idol factory, just cranking them out. And if that means we're going to spend so much time in work, at work it's going to crank them out. And if I could get, if I work to get this, and I'll I'll make a name for myself. Similarly, the next one, overwork, right? 
You know, we, when you encounter the frustration of the thorns and thistles and you say, you know what, I'm not going to let the thorns and thistles define me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to overwork. I'm going I'm to conquer the thorns and thistles. I'm going to pour all my energy and effort into this just to show that I am in control. And so workaholism you know, and, and other things start to break down in family life. Other life that, that breaks down because we're, we're just trying to beat the system trying to beat the, the curse. And, and then finally, opposite of that is avoidance of work. Avoidance of work. Just kind of like Ecclesiastes getting to the point, man, this is all meaningless anyway, so I'm just going to cut corners. I'm going to steal some time. I'm going to do half a job. Uh, and, and as Christians, we do this as well too, right? And so this is how the curse, the thorns and thistles, continues to work itself out in our lives in every one of our jobs and so we would do well to recognize it. But thank the Lord, even in our passage, that's not the end of the story. Again, asking the question, why did God curse the very things that were meant to be blessings? Marriage, childbearing, work. Why, why would God put a curse on there? And, and I, I'll call this the, the blessing of the curse. Because if you think about it, if when Adam and Eve sinned, if all God does in that moment, he... he uh, just kind of ignores that and uh, kind of separates in relationship, but they go in and then they eat of the tree of life and they live forever, then what happens? They get to live forever, but they live forever in a disconnected way from their creator. That would not be heaven, that would be hell. And so because God is just and his judgment is right and he wants to show the severity of sin against the holy God, he puts a curse on the very things that are meant to be blessings. So whenever we feel the curse and feel the weight of the curse, we are then meant to long for, to groan for. Romans 8.22 says all creation is groaning for redemption. So when we, when we feel that brokenness in our work and, and things in our marriage aren't going well and childbirth is painful, in that moment, there, there should be a longing stirring, Lord, make this right. I want this to be right. This isn't the way that it should be and, and a longing to connect with our creator. And so there are some signposts, I'll call them gospel signposts, even in Genesis chapter three, even in the context of the brokenness of sin, I'll point out three of them. We... Often commentators point these out in, in verse 15 where he talks about he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. It talks about this kind of struggle between Jesus and, and Satan, the, the, the snake crusher. There'll, there'll be a, a strike on Jesus, but a crushing of the head. Uh, we see it also in verse 20, 21. And the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skin and clothed them. So that they were in their shame, and so God made them garments of sin. Well, where does he get the garments of sin? And some say, well, this is the first blood sacrifice. Animal dies, blood is shed to cover the shame of Adam and Eve. Again, pointing to what we looked at last week, that Jesus covered our shame by his blood on the cross. But for our purposes, specifically dealing with work, I want you to look down at verse 24. It says, he drove out the man... And at the east of the Garden of Eden, he placed the cherubim and a flaming sword that turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. This is God's mercy to Adam and Eve, by the way. It's like, well, that sounds terrible. He gets, kicks them out of the garden. It's his mercy so they do not eat of the tree of life and live in an eternal rebellion to their creator. So he kicks them out. But look what he does. 
He puts cherubim. I don't even know what that means except for some sort of angelic host. And they've got these flaming swords to guard. You don't come in here. You, you can't come in here. There's a separation now from the presence of God because of your sin and the holiness of God. You can't come in. And this imagery of cherubim will continue throughout the Bible. So when, when God calls his people Israel out of Egypt, out of slavery, and he has them create a tabernacle, uh, you know the tabernacle represents God's presence on earth. And, and as you go further into the tabernacle, you finally get to a place called the Holy of Holies, the manifested glory and presence of God on earth. <coughs> but before you get in there, there's a curtain. And on the curtain, there are embroidered cherubim. It's a picture of the garden. The cherubim are guarding the presence of God. And so then when the temple comes, the curtain, very thick, gets put in there, and there's cherubim on the curtain once again. Again, it's this picture of the garden. The, they're guarding the holiness, the presence of God. Well, last week when we observed Jesus going to the cross, he became sin who knew no sin that we might come the, become the righteousness of God. All the things that happened. When he said, it is finished on the cross and the, the full weight of the wrath of God for your sin and mine was placed on Jesus and he bore that cost and he said, it is finished. He died. And Matthew's gospel tells us something happened in that moment. An earthquake happened. And, and as a result of that, from top to bottom, in the temple, where the cherubim are guarding the Holy of Holies, in the temple, on the curtain, the curtain gets torn from top to bottom. Redemption has come. Christ has made a way. Now that primarily speaks of, now we have relationship with God again. Now, now we have that restored. But it, it also speaks of all the curse being reversed. It also speaks of that now you can not only come in the presence of God, but the blessings of, of the creation are back in our lives if we walk in them, and that includes work. So, we get to be a people redeemed by God, back in relationship with God, walking in the blessings of God. Now, we, we are, we're not there fully yet. We'll still bump up into the curse. We'll, we'll still groan for full redemption. We'll, we'll do all that, but we get to be a people that recognize that. So, I think for us, as we go forward, that's going to be the, the question over the next six weeks. What does that actually look like as redeemed people working for the glory of God and the joy of all people? What will that look like? But I think it first of all looks like recognizing what, what, what part of the thorns and thistles, can you put that last slide up, Anna? What part of this has worked its way in its heart? And again, probably all of it, but I would just ask you right now, between you and the Lord, Say, Lord, what's one thing? What's one thing? One, one of these things that has found its way in my heart and I haven't even been aware of it, but I want to I repent. I want to be renewed because not of my righteousness, but because of your righteousness. So just one thing I would just ask you between now and, and as you're thinking about that, as you come to this table, remembering that his blood paid it all, that it's not based on your performance, but, but because you want to have right relationship with him, what's one thing you can begin repenting. Maybe it's idolatry. Maybe it's just you've, you've avoided work or you've been overworked. Well, whatever it is, it's probably different for all of us. I want you to work on that. You can take that off. And finally, again, where we're heading for the next six or seven weeks. Man, we're going to all leave here and we're going to go into our workplaces tomorrow. And if you're a follower of Christ, you, you, you are a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. You have the Spirit of God. And so what would it look like if we saw our work as a blessing and not a curse? 
I mean, I think that would, that would change the way we enter into our schools, that would change the way uh, we enter into our workplaces, change the way that we deal with clients and customers and products, all those things. That would be God working his good work out for the glory of God, the joy of all people. To that end, let me pray for us, and we invite you to come back next week to hear more. So, Father, thank you for your word to us this morning. Lord, we, we all feel the weight and the brokenness of our sin. We see it. We see it in our co-workers. We see it in our bosses. We see it in ourselves. Father, I, I thank you right now that that's not the end of the story, that even in this passage it pointed to Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that you are King of kings and Lord of lords, and you desire for us to live life and live life to the full. So I just pray that you would, as a church, you would just make us a people that uh, live for your glory in, the, in our workplace tomorrow. And that we would feel differently about that. We would feel your power and your presence with us in that. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.